Welcome to episode 19 of We Have Such Films to Show You. I am Josh Millard. Pregnant pause. <laughs> and pregnant delivery. I'm Yakov. And we are... Uh, you know, I always, I always say Yakov, and I've, I think I heard you actually say your own name for the first time like a week ago or something, and it's more like Yakov, Yakov... Yakov. Yakov. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep saying Yakov, I'm sure, because that's just how I say Yakov Smirnov's name, which I think as we discussed somewhere around episode five, I was surprised it took me till episode five to make a Yakov Smirnov joke, because that, that was going to be my opener for the whole podcast series. Um, so there we go. That's, that's, that's how I feel about your name, because my feelings are guy. paramount here. Smirnoff? You hate that guy? Yeah, he got really? Yakov.com. Oh, well, you know, to be fair, he, he was a famous comedian, so... I mean, I, I don't yeah, know who... I'm a famous podcaster. Well, I'm just saying, yeah, but, but he was a famous comedian before the internet took off, and now you're just now really coming into your well-deserved fame as a noted uh, podcast personality. I'm like, not sure what you mean by before the internet? <laughs> there was a time... You know that uh, that scene uh, in uh, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome with the the kids who live in the grotto and the Viewmaster. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what the time before the internet was like. Viewmasters. Uh, yeah, you look through a Viewmaster and and you you remember the the way before, the long before. What was that? Oh man, I can't remember. Uh, was it Member When? The Member When? The long long ago. Stuff Something like, like that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and that's that's uh, that's that's why you don't have Yakov.com is what I'm saying. I, it, yeah, nev- yeah. it never even occurred to me to see if Josh.com was available. Like I knew it wasn't. You know, it's like uh, just do your whole fucking name. You know, just uh, just just man up. That's that's the true test of masculinity is registering without complaint your full name.com as domain instead of whinging about uh, mm-hmm. not being able to get just your first name. I got slash Yakov on Facebook, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get Yakov down in YC. So, well, there you go. Fuck you, Yakov Smirnov. I'm yeah, saying that on the air. He he lives uh, in like Cleveland, I think. I think he's got a company. Uh, no, 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 Branson. Branson. Okay. Branson. Yes. Which is where I think also Dollywood is. Um, and it turns out that Dollywood is a theme park, and I re- no wait, Dollywood is in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Ah. But did you know Dollywood is a theme park? I, I thought not. it was like Graceland, where it was just like, you know, Dolly Parton's home or something. And I you, th- yeah, and I you go it. see Dolly Parton memorabilia. And I was really looking forward to that. And it turns out it's a theme park. Yeah. I, just, I just thought it was kind of like a concept. I didn't even know there was even an actual physical place. I just thought Dollywood was like the, the, the metaphorical uh, geographic center of uh, Dolly Parton fandom. I'm, Dollywood is in our hearts, is what you mean. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I, I, I'm clearly, uh, I'm clearly out of out of touch. Nope, uh, it's in it's a theme park in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, well, where the they hell? forge Why the not? pigeons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you pour raw pigeon sludge into uh, into cast iron uh, mold, mold. And, uh, and then yeah, and then a magician waves his wand, and boom, you've got a pigeon. Um, that's that's actually that's where most <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Uh, let's see, we're talking about uh, the 1985 classic Reanimator. Uh, yes, I think I think we got a, the title of the film we're discussing mentioned within the first five minutes here. I think that's I think that's a pretty good uh, baseline. Yeah, Reanimator, uh, starring Jeffrey Combs, who's fantastic, and he based is on wonderful. 
a story by H.P. Lovecraft. And this is a weird thing about this movie. Is like, if if I was going to imagine a movie based on H.P. Lovecraft's writing, I would never imagine this film ever. Um, and yet, it's it, it seems like the most appropriate way to adapt his fiction, just because it's if you if you when if you adapt like H.P. Lovecraft completely straight, which has been done, it it you you, you sort of lose out on a lot of his like the feel a lot of the the benefits of his writing because his writing on the whole, in my opinion, is not fantastic it's just he has these you know he has these moments where he just really captures like that dread of you know this the unknown and then he's got all these other sections about the hideous giant penguins i'm like dude you've never seen a penguin (laughs) um and so i i think if you make it campy but everybody plays it straight like they did in this movie that's that's a wonderful way of adapting his work in a palatable way yeah no and that's the interesting thing i was gonna say it's this film is extremely campy it's like it's 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 ridiculous but at the same time no one quite lets on that it's ridiculous like there's 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 comedy notes that you have to assume the director knew it was a comedy note but the right. characters never acknowledge it them as same they're all just you know they're all in on this they're taking it straight uh but it's all very campy and that's that that is not totally out of line for lovecraft because yeah the guy had a flair for sort of the dramatic and was not necessarily the most nuanced of uh, writers of, uh, yeah. of dialogue and characterization. So, like, it being sort of flamboyant kind of works, but at the same time, it's not what you, it's not what you associate with uh, the modern-day, you know, Cthulhu fandom. Like, it's not the tone they're going for with the various, right. uh, like, you know, uh, Mansions of Madness and yeah. Arkham Horror video games and Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. You know, people are trying to more get into a serious, like, this is a fantasy world that we're having adventures yeah. in. Right, and and I and I think you know, ev- like you know, the, uh, the 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 director who was us. Uh, what is his name? Scott Young. Um, uh, uh, Scott Gordon. A uh, Stuart Scott Gordon. Gordon. And Stuart, Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon, and then Brian Yuzna or Yuzna is the producer, uh, who and was also involved in some. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so like you know, when it when it when you know, right after that really quick opening with like the uh, the the events in Switzerland, when you open on Miskatonic University Medical School, and it's like this like super modern like bright building, you know that they're not like you know, this isn't going to be like Lovecraft Lovecraft. You yeah. know, it's it's not like a spooky old university, you know, made of stone with ivy up the side. It's you know like a nice looking new building. Well, yeah, that's another so, thing is yeah, this, this just like totally goes for contemporary. Well, contemporary for nineteen eighty five. Um, instead of like trying to do the yeah early twentieth century like nineteen tens nineteen twenties feel that a lot of uh, Lovecraft uh, adaptations try and carry over from the timing that the stories were written. Yeah, uh, I don't think they would have been able to afford that even if they wanted to. Do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm glad they didn't. There's a lot of extra set dressing. The, the, the film feels very at home in the mid '80s to me, so yeah. I think it's probably for the best they went that way. Uh, I, I want to say one of those movies where they're just like you know, hey, our characters are college students. We don't have to decorate their apartment at all. Just <laughs> nail a tapestry <laughs> to that, nail another one to that, and we're done. Yeah, put up a poster from a Talking Heads concert. Uh, yes. David Burns' crotch in his giant suit features prominently in a couple of bedroom shots. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's. Oh, I wanted, okay, so I wanted to say on the it doesn't necessarily feel like Lovecraft. Another thing about this is that the stories this is actually based on, this was uh, my wife uh, did a bunch of reading on this last night after we watched through it again. Uh, and, and 
it turns out the stories uh, of the reanimator Herbert West was a serialized set of short stories that Lovecraft wrote for five bucks a pop, which is why he wrote them. It's like, hey, five bucks a pop, apparently, for a friend's uh, magazine, I think. Uh, and yeah, he, he had a weird he, name. He, yeah, it was like it was like the 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 not the adventures or something, but the something of of Herbert West. You know, the basically the continuing you know adventures of of Herbert West reanimator and it was written intentionally as a spoof of Frankenstein and, and Lovecraft apparently didn't really particularly like it at he didn't like the process of having to write these serialized stories with a cliffhanger every time because it just wasn't his thing. And I don't think he cared particularly for the stories, although he would, he liked getting paid to write. So that was cool. But, uh, and apparently nobody likes them. Nobody likes the actual Lovecraft stories this film was based on uh, <laughs> because it's like it's like the worst thing he ever wrote. So the fact that it doesn't feel like super Lovecrafty may also be kind of a reflection of just the source material not having been super Lovecrafty in the particular Cthulhuian you know way we think of uh, Lovecraft as being. Right. Lovecraft. I mean, the 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 adjective for Lovecraft sliding is 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 Lovecraft. There's there's. Hardly any way to get around that. Yep. But um, if you, listener, uh, actually want to experience the stories, I'd suggest um, you get the Jeffrey Combs narrated ones, because at least that'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Jeffrey Combs narrating it. Yeah, uh, I actually kind of want to hear that, uh, just because... I listened to some of it. It's great. So, so it's, uh, have we talked I about Jeffrey Combs? Have we had any I, reason we have not. to... Because uh, because uh, I really like him actually I've 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 taken yes. a liking to him in the last few years, uh, really as a result of Star Trek, which he's been on a bunch of Star Trek as a bunch of different characters across different franchises. Uh, he was actually one of the people who originally auditioned for the role of William Riker, and how hmm. weird would that have been if we That'd had Jeffrey so Combs awesome. instead of uh, yeah it'd be it'd be bizarre like I, I mean I'm and, picturing him mounting a chair in the Riker way. <laughs> Except dressed as Herbert West. <laughs> yeah, I could see him glaring at a chair. I mean, that's the thing. I, I I can't think of something where I've seen Jeffrey Combs like playing like a human and not being just like intentionally really weird. Like like right. that, that's his whole like he he does a really great unsettling sort of obsessive or paranoid uh, character. You know, he he can really sell it super well. He was he was great. In the Frighteners, that Michael J. Yeah, Fox film. Yeah, I was about film. to say. I, I I saw the credit for the Frighteners, and I'm just like, I I've, I haven't seen that movie in like two or three years. I like it. It's a, I like the movie, but I was, you know, I, I didn't. I couldn't remember who the character was, and I was just like, I bet it was that like really creepy FBI agent. Then I go to the you know Frighteners Wikipedia page, nailed it. Yep, and, it and he was yeah, he was perfect for that. You know, so he really yep. does it. So I, I'm trying to imagine him as Riker. I like. I don't know what he's like when he's not being freaky. Cause like he might've been a really interesting, likable, intense second in command. Uh, or maybe they were right not to cast him as Riker. Cause maybe he just never would have fit the role that they were trying to write. Cause like, he's so different in like all of the way he comes across from Jonathan Frakes. Like they've got very, very different, just basic, uh, you know, feel as, yeah. as actors. So yeah, that would have been really I'd like to see them to see. in a buddy comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Where they're both like actors going up for the same role. That could be good. That could be good. Someone get right on that. That'll, that. I'll add that to my pile of fantasy Star Trek related things that will never get made that would make me happy if they did. Uh, 
It's right behind the, the, the live-action uh, adaptation of LARP Trek. Just get the entire crew together 25 years later to do some jackass's webcomic about what they would say if they were, you know, pettier. I, uh, I really feel like that'll just come together one of these days. Uh, but yeah, he's... But he, they're all broke. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They, 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 they haven't had quite enough... Uh, like, like Patrick Stewart would never do it. He's, he doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to at this point. I don't know. We're neighbors now, so... Are you? Me and Peace do. Well, you, well, should, uh, you, just, you know, you just pitch it to him sometime at a garden party or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'll break into his garden and throw a party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That'll get his attention. Like, what, what blue places is going on here? Well, I uh, wanted to talk to you about a project. Um, yes. So Jeffrey Combs, great. Was in a bunch of other Star Trek. I won't recount all his Star Trek roles, but he was he was good. He was one of the best things about Enterprise. He played uh, a paranoid Andorian, and all the Andorians are paranoid, but they're the blue guys with the antennas that they brought back for Enterprise after having disappeared after the original series. And, and yeah, he's a, he's a good actor. He's fun to watch. And he's great in this. He gets to chew scenery. Yeah. He gets to be like a sassy, ridiculous son of a bitch uh, because the film is so, as we've said, so campy uh, and so sort of over the top and serious funny that you know it's like it's a bunch of yeah, great setups get, for lines yeah he's got all these like wonderful lines where it's like you know it, it, it's like the peak of chaos you know like emotions are high and he just like does a completely deadpan line and he does this like three or four times throughout the movie and it's great every single time yep Should we? Um, so, should we talk about the uh, what, what, what this movie is actually about? I guess we could. I mean, if you're, if you're feeling if you're feeling crazy, we could do that. I guess. Yeah. Um, so, Doctor Herbert West, who is a, a young uh, medical student and scientist, uh, is kicked out of his uh, Switzerland uh, research institute after he tries to reanimate his uh, professor. Or his, uh, what is it? Not his professor. His, well, it's his professor's uh, sort of his mentor. mentor. Yeah. Yeah. His mentor. Dr. Yeah. Hans Gruber, the yes. diehard villain played by Alan Rickman, apparently uh, maybe was Hans Gruber Jr. and Sr. Uh, was a German research scientist in uh, Switzerland. I'm an exceptional scientist. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually I had to look that up. I'm like, I can't be remembering that right. What, had, what, no, that is the name of the guy in Die Hard too. Yep, I had, I had the exact same experience. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's uh, he apparently does something. Uh, apparently reanimated Doctor yeah. Hans Gruber. Who, who I, here, so here here's the thing that I want to bring up about Herbert West. Do you believe that he killed that cat? I I I believe that he could have killed that cat. I consider it undecidable. I think he was telling the truth. I think maybe he was because he's, he's shown, he shows very little inclination to lie in the film. So when right. he, when he says something slightly implausible, but says it earnestly, I think it's probably true, but at the same time, he's also weirdly calculating. And so it's not impossible that he killed the cat and lied about it specifically to have, uh, a continuation a of yeah he needed the body and he needed not to get thrown out of his uh, apartment laboratory so it's possible but I, I i do like the reading that he was telling the straight face truth because because really when else in a film did he ever even seem to prevaricate he he didn't show a modicum of restraint about shit even when it's really obvious to anybody who doesn't have like you know some serious sort of social you know misconditioning that you don't say that his introduction to one of the 
professors in the film is to basically tell him straight face that his research is bullshit and stolen. You know, so it's yep. like this is not a guy who's like playing the angles much. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's a compelling reason to think he did not, in fact, kill the cat. That uh, yeah, yeah. Because the, the the reason I'm mentioning that is that because you know uh, what's her name Meg or Meg or possibly somebody else suspected him of killing uh, Doctor Gruber, which is also something I do not think he did. I think he was actually trying to bring him back to life. Well, yeah, and Gruber was the one doing the research that he was you know extending there, right? I mean, he's working right. with Gruber because Gruber had been doing this work on reanimation yeah. and whatnot. So, but yeah, I, but, it, but it's uh, it, it's stated that 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 West is the one that actually makes the breakthroughs. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but, but Gruber, yeah, so would, yeah, Gruber would have been on board with this too. So it's like, right. it's, it's like mad science got a little bit out of hand and yeah. And Gruber ended up dead. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this movie just like everybody in this movie has that thing where they come into a situation at the worst possible moment. Um, so, you know, the, uh, everybody who was like looking for Gruber and then, um, what's his name? Uh, Halsey, when he's just like, I'm going to stand by this door with all this commotion going on. Nothing could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a maddening thing about this film to try and take it the way it would normally want to. I mean, we've talked in previous episodes about yeah. the, 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 the pitfalls of trying to seriously deconstruct, you know, the logic of, of a horror movie at times, because a lot of times, yeah, things just sort of happen because they happen. But at the same time, this is not a film that really plays it as a being chased by the supernatural sort of thing. So you don't really get the right. uh, everything's on the table and nobody's acting rationally because everything's descended in madness. Instead, you have essentially like, you know, fairly rational seeming actors like they're supposed to be approaching this rationally and then still everything is sort of weird and goofy and melodramatic in a way we're like why would that why would that happen i don't i don't understand why that would happen um so i i I had a little bit of a hard time deciding how to approach some of the things that i wanted to complain about in the film is like but can i even complain about that does it make sense to say but this doesn't make sense in this movie, like, this, okay, that's the thing that I think doesn't make sense. You know, it's it's hard to find my <laughs> that's footing. That's where you're on the line. Yeah, um, yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to say uh, we get introduced pretty soon to nice guy Daniel Kane as one of the main protagonists, uh, and he looks a little bit like Detective Thomas, not a priest from Prophecy. It's not the same guy. It's not uh, Elias Cotis, but it could be like his his brother or something. I just thought it was a weird little note of podcast continuity yeah and um his his girlfriend looks like discount debbie harry i was gonna say how weird would it be if this movie actually had had debbie harry in it um although i have no idea if debbie harry can act at all and not that this girl was like super amazing or anything i mean no one in the film really had an opportunity to establish themselves as a great thespian uh but uh debbie harry uh she's got she's got a pretty developed filmography the only thing i remember seeing her in though is spun she was pretty good in that okay it's all right could she be terrified co-ed basically i mean that's oh, yeah. that, that's yeah. the thing that's the, i've never i've never had a chance to see one way or the other so I, she could have like, absolutely done that role yeah well that would have been that would have been neat instead yeah we got this 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 girl instead who was fine looks a uh, looks a little bit like debbie harry looks i she i was in videodrome this girl Debbie Harry. Oh, okay. I still haven't seen Videodrome. I, oh, I, we should it's, do that. It's high on my, we should do it. That'll get me to finally sit down and watch it. I'll yeah. hail the new flesh. Because, um, yeah, I know of it by, by reputation, but I just haven't quite gotten around to it. But, yeah, so the, yeah, the moving parts in this film, we got Dr. Herbert West is our Jeffrey Combs uh, brilliant mad scientist young fellow. 
uh, Daniel Kane is the like super sucker nice guy uh, medical student who's dating uh, Meg, the pretty blonde daughter of the dean, and uh, they're dating and they're secretly having sex, but uh, the dean doesn't know that, I guess. And also they're engaged, although how engaged they are is not super clear. And the deleted scenes reveal that the engagement is an extremely recent thing. And also, I guess, a secret from the What team. did you watch this movie on? I watched this on uh, the Millennium Edition DVD release, a two-disc set including a bunch of special features. Uh, okay, because I... So I, I'm not sure what of what I watched was the deleted scene and what wasn't, and, and I and I looked up a little bit. So I know that the scene where uh, Hill hypnotizes uh, what's his face uh, Halsey. I know that yeah. was a deleted scene. Dean Halsey. And I know the uh, the everything that happens after he injects Meg with the uh, reagent at the end was deleted. Um, and then other than that, I'm not sure what was deleted or not. See, oh, and I, th- I think where, um, what's his name, uh, where West shoots up the reagent, was all, yeah, was that also a deleted that, scene? That was also deleted, yeah. Um, so w- what did you watch? Did you watch... Uh... I'm not sure. I just had this uh, copy laying around, okay. so I'm not sure uh, which one it <laughs> is. Was this stuff incorporated in it as an edit, are you saying? Or did you go and look up the deleted scenes after the fact, or...? It was incorporated into the movie, so then after uh, afterwards, I, I did some research, and I was just like, oh, uh, you know, reanimator, deleted scenes, and there was a couple that I saw, and then there was that one that happens all the way at the end that I watched on YouTube, um, but other than that, yeah, that they were most of them incorporated into the movie. Tell me about the one that happens at the end, because I'm not sure that was on the disc I watched. Oh, um, so basically... So you, you know, like how all the way at the end, you know, the movie sort of like fades to black yeah, on the reagent and he's, he's shooting yeah, into her neck. Yeah, he's going to shoot the reagent into Meg's neck because she's been strangled to death, and then yeah, and then we freeze frame, and the glowing reagent, the glow, glowing serum, is the last thing we see as it fades to black, and then we hear a scream, and then the credits yeah. roll. Is how the the film cut I watched ended. So she uh, she comes back to life, um, and they kiss. And, you know, they, they, they say something, I don't know, the volume was a little messed up. And then she's sort of just like, she, she freaks out. And there's this cool effect shot of her face going in like two different directions. And then she flings him against the wall and just drops down dead. And all the medical crew comes back in, including Herbert West. <gasps> and, you know, he squats down next to, Dan, uh, next to Dan. And Dan was just like, oh, I thought he killed you or something like that. And, he, and uh, I, Herbert West turns to him and says, he, he couldn't kill me. He didn't have the guts. <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, man. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, no, that was not on mine at all. It was just, it was, it was yeah, just stopped with the suspense uh, of what's going to happen when he injects her. And then we go to black and then we get the scream from her. And then, and then that's it. Uh, I was going to say there was, there was a, one of the deleted things. Uh, actually, it was listed as the sole deleted scene. Everything else was extended scenes with alternate content. Um, was, was something that must have been a dream sequence that I guess Daniel had of Megan being dead for some reason and them needing to bring her back to life with the serum. Oh, the dream. The, you're talking about the, the dream sequence. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, I couldn't find that. It wasn't in the one that I watched and I, I read about it, but I couldn't find it. Well, it's, 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 it's not set up. The, the actual scene that's deleted from the film is not set up as a dream sequence at all. It's just, it seems like a scene totally out of continuity. That's weird. And so I, mm-hmm. I intuited it. It must be a dream sequence because there's no way it could have even been badly written in and then edit it out. 
Um, and yeah, it's Dr. Hill and Dean Halsey and Herbert are all standing around and all apparently getting along. And then they pull a, a, a drape off of a, a dead body. And it's a dead body that looks a lot like uh, Meg Halsey. Uh, and at first, because I didn't know there was no setup, I didn't know that it was supposed to. I was like, wow, they, there was some scene where they were going to have him inject someone who looks kind of like Meg if, if Meg was dead. And it took me a while to figure out that, oh, that's, it's supposed to be, in fact, that it is that actress in heavy dead person makeup. And, and he gives her a shot right, right in the breastbone, uh, which I'm, and I'm like, but, but it's always the brain. You're always shooting the brain. Why would you do, uh, and, you know, I'm really, I'm really having issues with, you know, the scene. And then eventually she suddenly warms up and de-deadifies and it's kind of a nice makeup transition effect. She goes from being all cold and pasty to, you know, alive. And then she's all wooing at him with wavy arms like oh daniel i love you and 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 no one seems to have a problem with this and then she starts screaming and and then that was probably when he woke up you know with a start or something but uh yeah what i read about it is uh, like the 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 reviews that i read that i actually mentioned are just like this this blows the ending for no reason whatsoever (laughs) and uh um let's see yeah and yeah so so okay i think Part of why this was a little bit of a mess uh, is the stories that this was adapted to. Part of it is that like the film is apparently really a hodgepodge of those various serialized adventures. So it's not really an adaptation of one or of the sequence of Herbert West stories that Lovecraft Because they take place over like decades. And then yeah. they travel to like the Spanish Civil War or something. Or... Wait, no, that can't be right. Well, they travel to some war, which they also do in the second Reanimator movie. But um, yeah, it takes place over like a very long period of time, whereas this is like a couple of days. Yeah, so it's taking various characters from various stories and just sort of mashing them up together, which kind of explains why it feels a little bit incoherent. But it also feels like, I don't know, like it was just maybe not super carefully edited before they started shooting. Because it feels like some of the stuff that they pulled really does contradict other stuff they shot in a way that... uh, like they didn't totally know what they were going to do with the final cut before they started actually shooting stuff, which doesn't seem like a great idea, but maybe, maybe you're under time pressure and you just got to get going and you're going to sort of improvise on the fly. Um, the whole hypnotism thing is really, it's, I think it's probably good that they pulled it cause it seems sort of yeah. weird. Uh, Dr. I mean, Hill, it's, it's a, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's a really like old, old school, like horror movie trope that, yeah. I don't know, maybe they were trying to revive and they just didn't do that great of a job because like the, like the, the evil, you know, like the, the evil, like uh, the villain who is like, you know, some sort of like, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, like a man of status or who also has the power of mesmerism. Like that's, that's, that's an old school horror movie thing. And the way that they were, sh- the way that they shot the hypnotism scenes were like, they they had uh, Hill dead on like face in uh, not extreme close up but regular close up yeah real, in real soft tight focus yeah uh, that was that was also like really old school movie making um, yeah. and, and it's funny because they actually repeated that same thing all the way at the end when his body is holding his head up they still shot it like you know dead on soft focus which I thought was a pretty cool uh, callback to that which doesn't work as a callback yeah when that's you the watch thing the movie yeah. in the theater they, they clearly decided not to do this repeated. Thing of Doctor Hill literally being a hypnotist, which is fine because I think yeah, I think it it was jarring. Like there was nothing else in the film that did that exact same, like you say, old school Hollywood horror framing. So like the Lugosian shots of him staring into the camera and speaking slowly and hypnotically uh, really wouldn't have fit. But the thing is, they left in all these things that were tied to that that were just less aggressive. Oh yeah, the fact there. that like. 
the fact that like Halsey repeats what he says like to Dan during their meeting. Yeah, and and the fact that the fact that he even like Doctor Hill is frequently super creepy, and he's super creepy in a way that would make more sense if it was established that he had the power to sort of influence people in a supernatural way, but that's not in the film anywhere. So instead he's just a super fucking creep that no one really ever says anything about, you know, and he's surprisingly influential over his colleague, Dean Halsey, but no one says anything about, you know, so yeah, it really, it leaves a strange space where he says things that a hypnotist could get away with because he's hypnotizing you that an actual just guy would be like, what the fuck? He's super, you know, he's super creeping on Meg throughout the whole film. But that never really gets remarked on. No, to be fair, um, so I mean, Halsey and to an extent Dan are both sort of goofuses. You know, they're they're you know Halsey especially. He's he's you know he's he's got his head in the clouds. He wouldn't know what's going on if it bit him on the ass. Dan's you know distracted with his work. Uh, West you know West pegs him immediately for an asshole and treats him like one from the very beginning. And I think Meg is always creeped out by him. Like she's like you know when he when he like toasts to her during dinner, she is really very uncomfortable with him. Him. Sure. So I, I think I, I think the people that have the, the the ability to notice it notice it, and I think that's one of the ways that the movie like um, you know builds uh, sort of like an empathy for Herbert West when you realize that Hill is like a giant creep. All of a sudden, Herbert West, you know, he's still an asshole, but you know, he's he's not being an asshole for no reason to just some guy. Yeah, he's being an asshole to a bigger asshole. There, there is there's a another uh, deleted bit of a scene when uh, Doctor Hill comes and confronts Herbert and says, "Oh, this is fantastic work. It's mine now. You'll give me your mm-hmm. work and you'll be my assistant." And in oh, the that's a deleted scene. scene too? Yeah. It, wait, is that whole? Wait, what part of what portion, part of that? All, only portions of art. There, there's a hypnotism aspect of that scene. That yeah, because I was watching that, and I was just like, and I read that they excised the, all of the hypnotism stuff. I'm like, did they just like cut out like a minute or two of the middle of this scene? Is yes, that what they did? Yes, that is what they did because because as so how as, does it how does it start and how does it how does it? I think it starts and ends basically the same way. But when Doctor Hill is talking about how this is brilliant and you will cooperate with me. You know, instead mm-hmm. of like, you will cooperate me and then us getting a sort of ambiguous impression of Herbert maybe being swayed or maybe just playing for time. Uh, and then mm-hmm. he gets a shovel and cuts his head off. Um, in in the space between there, we get some dead on talking into the camera, old school horror hypnotism. And Herbert clearly being more lucid about what's happening, but still being apparently bowled over uh, and there's even a great he'll make shot. Him cry. Yeah, yeah, he'll makes him cry with the uh, you know reference to uh, you know what's going on here. And Herbert's obviously yeah clearly aware of himself enough to be aware that he's being you know manipulated in some terrible way by this this so asshole. Here, here, here's my question. So he cry. They, they they do the shot of him crying right after Hill mentions Gruber. Do you think he's crying because of the situation, or do you think he's like mourning his colleague? Maybe both. I was reading it just as a situation. I was reading it as him being ambitious enough and willful enough that he uh, was capable of mourning for the idea of having his rightfully earned genius taken from him by this jerk um, was my read. But there could be the sentimental thing with Gruber, too. I don't know. He doesn't seem super sentimental, though, so I'm not sure I buy that. I'm more inclined to think he was weeping for his, you know, potentially stolen career. Uh, It's like it's a single tear. Yeah, single tear running down the cheek. And then he cuts his head off with a shovel, which I, you know, I was like, I was really behind it at that point. It's like, you know, you are totally murdering it, dude, but 
he's a pretty terrible dude and you're already kind of off your rocker. So let's just run with this. Yeah, cut his head off. Just chop that thing off. Uh, so I, I, feel like, I feel like our first half hour of discussion has entirely been about the scenes that mostly aren't in the film necessarily. <laughs> but, uh, but it's interesting because all these things tie into the, the narrative as it exists, which chopped down, it's a little bit more straightforward. It's a little bit less uh, uh, filled up with these slow hypnotic things and whatnot. Uh, they cut some conversation between Dean and, and, and Meg uh, in the bedroom that sets up the cat a little bit more, actually. Uh, there's a deleted scene where the cat gets a little bit of screen time and you get a little bit more clearly the idea that uh, Dan actually likes his cat rather than owns a cat. So the idea that he's sad that the cat got killed uh, makes a little bit more sense later on. I mean, of course you're sad that your cat got killed. You don't really have to set that up super well, but it did feel a little bit other like shot a oh there's a cat shot b oh there's a dead cat was about all the cat we got in the the theatrical cut yeah i i liked his like uh his you know like every like all of his explanations for not telling him about the cat make perfect sense like why don't you tell me about the cat why don't you call me or leave me you know it's like well i have a job and also what was i supposed to say (laughs) dead cat details later i mean yeah, there's because I mean I noticed like in a couple of reviews of this movie they say that uh, West is like he's socially inept, but he's not. He's he's pleasant and charming. He's just really fucking weird. I, I think I think I don't think it's black and white like that. I like like my characterization would be I'd say like you know maybe he's on the spectrum is the thing. Like you know he's not incapable of being social. He's just really not super great at pick up on the nuances of things that would bother people. And it could be that he is totally socially apt and just that driven and purpose, you know, built that he's like, you know, niceties are not something that yeah. he's going to take time with, but it could be right. also that he just doesn't really get niceties. And that's part of why he's the way he is. Uh, and so. he's also, you know, been ejecting the reagent, which, uh, you know, like the personality change in him when he injects the reagent, he's like, all right, let's do science now. Yeah, but uh, that, 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 that deleted scene that had that is like the only scene where there's any indication that's going on. Like, I feel like, like, I like the idea, but you can't just have one single scene suggesting that and then never revisit it. And there's nowhere else in the film that is even hinted at. So I kind of, right. I almost just want to reject that deleted scene with the shooting up as just fucking ridiculous. It doesn't, like, it, it doesn't seem to go well with anything else in the film. So it, um, at one point, I think Meg says, uh, what, what, what does she say? Oh, she said that she's never seen him sleep or eat. <laughs> um, and I, it kind of goes with that, but yeah, you know, it, it was, it was a little out of the blue, but on the other hand, it was, I, I, I like that scene just because just the, the string of scenes that lead up to that, which, you know, it starts off like right at the end of like their battle with their first, you know, seriously reanimated, uh, zombie. Um, and you know, like, uh, when Dan drops the, like drops to his knees on the floor and then Herbert, like lovingly, like, uh, what do you call drapes it? Drapes the, him with yeah. a thing and then like <laughs> holds his hand, um, makes him a sandwich. And then like, you know, and then he starts having the fits and he goes into the room and then, you know, Dan helps him shoot up cause that they're friends. I, I, and, um, I, I can I can dig the idea of that. Like I could see it with the flow, but I think I feel like if if there's that scene, there should have been like two or three other scenes also ended up in the deleted pile uh, to 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 add a little bit of I don't know narrative continuity or like 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 if you're gonna introduce that element, do a little bit more with it. And it may be that by the time they got around to cutting that scene, they'd already figured out that they weren't gonna do other pieces tied in, and that's why they ended up cutting it. But I don't know. 
I, it just felt it, it felt a little bit too out of the blue to not follow up on, I guess. In a sense, maybe you could say they followed up with it with his appearance at the end after all saying he didn't have the guts and maybe, okay, this is an indication that Herbert's superheroed himself a little bit and maybe that's a result of the injection, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I felt like it wasn't really super there. As much as I like your sort of like buddy narrative uh, explanation for it being there, because I think, yeah, that does, I do kind of like that. And that is an odd moment of, a uh, sign of sort of loyalty and friendship from Herbert, who does not seem like someone who does the loyalty and friendship thing other than maybe with Hans Gruber before he was dead, but we never got to see any of that. So, so yeah, I don't know. I'm chewing on what you're saying. I, I, yep. I think there might be some merit there, I guess. Yeah. I'll grudgingly admit that, that <laughs> you say anything of, of worth. Yeah. I'm doing my best Herbert way. <laughs> A little editing thing. I, I, I liked the uh, Meg, Meg surprising Dan in the hallway with a kiss, and then they're sort of like, you know, tickling, or he's trying mm-hmm. to kiss her next. She's like, no, no, and then the cut straight to, you know, in the bedroom. And yes, yes, it reminded me a little bit of uh, uh, The Graduate with the scene from Benjamin Braddock in the pool, uh, jumping up onto uh, a floaty pool bed thing and then they cut in mid movement to him landing on Mrs. Robinson in the bedroom and I mean not, not to say it's necessarily the same scene but just I don't know someone could do a super cut of like uh, cut into sex shots because I'm sure there's probably a half dozen out there that you know these could be part of the collection for oh yeah absolutely also the cat that jumps on them in bed Angela noted totally uh, yeah it looks like someone someone just threw this cat at them <laughs> yep I have and, that in my notes <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, she, Angela was saying she she forgot to watch the credits. She wanted to see if there even was a cat handler, or if they just like literally someone brought the cat to set and threw it, and that that was the whole thing. Yeah, that the cats do not naturally like thump onto things like that. I, <laughs> um, this also felt like a very mid eighties level of casual nudity. There's a lot of, a lot of oh yeah, a lot of May yeah. expressed in the film. And I mean, the movie even starts out with like medical grade casual nudity because there's you know the 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 woman that they're trying uh, that Dan's trying to resuscitate when it like you know goes to dance scenes um, is uh, you know boobs are out. Yep. I mean, they're she's just some overweight dead lady yeah. being yep. resuscitated, and yeah, they weren't shy about mm-hmm. like you know getting boobs in the frame. They weren't like you know being like titillating about it either. It's just like you know, yeah, no. Which is weird because they were definitely being, you know, titillating with it at the end with uh, when, uh, you know, Meg is on the operating table. Yeah, yeah. And then and then, you know what? They actually even return to that shot from the beginning where uh, Dan is again trying to resuscitate somebody who will not get resuscitated. Yes, yes. it was it was an oddly, uh, oddly carefully composed bit of narrative uh, sort of late motif there with uh with with the reiteration of the uh stubborn resuscitation but uh but in this case it turns out dan has one more trick up his sleeve after they tell him to call it uh with the whole injecting the the serum right let's see you know one of the one of the deleted scenes they cut that makes it seem a little bit more reasonable uh herbert just shows up and you know responds to dan's uh roommate posting and, and mm-hmm. in, in fine style shows up holding the actual posting so he wasn't <laughs> even writing down the information he was just taking it's like okay this is did you see now. the address on it no it was um hang on what was it it's oh, fuck where stupid incomprehensible handwriting <laughs> uh 
It would take How me hard so is it long. to find a number? Oh, here we go. It's six 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 dark something. <laughs> I can't read it, but it's definitely like uh, it, it's definitely six 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 something. Six 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 Darkmore Street. Excellent, excellent. That is where he lives, and yeah, I like that he he, he takes off the actual advertisement. It sort of reminded me of um, what do you call it? House of the Devil. The uh, yeah, um, the yeah, the uh, the babysitting things. Except yeah. I guess you know only one note was put up, and well, it's possible Dan put up more than one, but knowing Dan, probably he didn't. So yeah, no. But yeah, so Herbert shows and up. He basically with insists, all of his things out of frame, <laughs> and basically insists Which on a tour. Which has to be a lot of things, probably because yeah. well, he they, sets up an entire lab down there. Where is all this stuff? I bet he packs it up real efficient in one like big heavy suitcase. Herbert West is also a Tetris grandmaster. Yes, exactly. You know, he's probably very very efficient. Well, he had to move it all over from Switzerland, so I mean, you yeah. know, you're gonna you're, you're gonna get that down to a minimum of baggage if you can. So. Uh, plus whatever he could steal from the school in his first day there. Um, but yeah, so Herbert shows up, he bullies his way in, uh, basically insists on being immediately given the place to stay, and Dan says yes. You know, Herbert's like, here's money, and Dan's like, yes. And it's like, it's so obvious that neither Dan nor Meg is at all comfortable with Herbert, and they <laughs> don't, do not want... So, And the film doesn't say anything in the version that I watched, uh, about it being particularly difficult to come by roommates or Dan being short on money. There is a deleted scene, a conversation where they're sort of uh, talking in bed about how he really, you know, he can't afford to stay here if he doesn't, you know, get... Uh, how much of this movie was not deleted? I, I, I think I, we probably watched a good 15 minutes of extended scenes and, and deleted scenes. I guess maybe you got, like, either a repaired or director's cut or something, because, yeah, I think I was basically watching the theatrical release... Uh, and it sounds like a lot of the stuff that uh, I, I was watching the for, extended version. Ah, see, there you go. So, yeah, probably most of the stuff that got cut for me was yeah. still in it for you. Um, but yeah, why they 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 cut that? I mean, actually, well, I was they, actually they, they kind of bored with that. They, yeah. they, they, they that scene did nothing for the pacing. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. I think they cut it because it was long and boring, and they just got in bits of it elsewhere. So, like talking about Rufus and talking about some other things, there's little bits in there that uh, got mentioned later in the film that would have been redundant too. So maybe they even shot an additional scene that got cut from your version that repeated some of the stuff. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, yeah, it would have just been sort of like a, the characters we don't care about talking in bed. Um, but yeah, as a result, there's no indication that Dan needs a roommate terribly badly other than that he put up an ad that day for a roommate. So the fact yeah. that he's not saying no is really weird. And you can sort of read it into Dan's character being this hopeless fucking goof. But, but I mean, he's nominally sort of like the co-protagonist. And I kind of wish he wasn't so fucking like dull and squishy and pushovery. Because like he very rarely shows any metal in this film at all. Yeah. Like the the boldest decisions he make are essentially continuing to work with Herbert once he realizes Herbert is onto something, mm -hmm. and taking that axe to the zombie killing his girlfriend yeah. right at the end. And even then he's too late. Which she chokes yeah. out pretty quick. I gotta say. Yeah. She she like yeah. chokes to death in like thirty seconds, which is awfully prompt. Yeah, that was. You know, it takes at least, what is it, six to 12 minutes for the brain to die? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, if, if they were going to do six to 12 minutes of her, like, you know, twitching to death because of a crushed trachea, sure, but they're in a hospital. They could take her upstairs and trach her, and, you know, so. I'm right. starting to feel like this film was not completely realistic. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I, you know what I think happened with Dan's character? I, I think that they knew what they had with Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West, as in just like this really just all out like acting. And they were just like, well, you know, we, we, we can't have the straight man, you know, like sort of take away from that. And then they just overdid it. What's true? They, they just overdid yeah. on taking away personality from him to let Herbert shine. Yeah, I think yeah he just didn't make a terribly compelling sidekick. So sidekicking him didn't work super well for the for me to watch because I was like, yeah, yeah, Dan's just kind of a wet noodle. Um, but there's a lot, it, 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 basically everyone in the film is kind of a wet noodle other than Herbert and Dr. Hill. So it's really those two, a clash of will, which works okay thematically. Um, you know, another thing I liked, uh, I, and this is, again, this is something that partly I think it just works with, uh, Jeffrey Combs, but the pencil snapping when he's sitting in class, he's yes. sitting in Dr. Hill's class and Dr. Hill is lecturing on his theory of brain death and the sort, the, the, the seat of the will in the body. And Herbert just snaps a pencil as right after the Dr. Hill makes a point to be like, fuck you. And everybody's like, uh, and then he pulls out another pencil and just holds it. And I just, I, I, I would never would have thought that, you know, you could get so much, you know, ill-spirited drama out of a couple of, of pencils, but uh, I love it. And, and then Dr. Hill's line, you know, and, and Mr. West, I suggest you get a pen, which is just beautiful escalation of hostilities there. I don't know. Yeah, that was, and I mean, the weird, the pacing of that scene was also a little off because I was just like, wait, did he get the class dismissed? Because it sounded like there was a bunch of lecture left. Yeah. And well, I think that's also, the thing. You, he just yeah. that effectively fucked with Doctor yeah. Hill. The Doctor was like, "Fuck it, I'm yeah. out of here." It's like, can you do that? I can you just leave your your class or right. dismiss them just like that? I, just, I, he's he's their grant machine. He can do whatever he wants. He probably doesn't have to show up to class. He just shows up because he likes to talk. Did you notice that um, the medical students, maybe this is like something that I don't know about medical school, but a couple, you know, a bunch of them were wearing like the white, you know, like doctor coats, but a number of them, including Herbert, were just wearing white blazers. Yeah, I I have no idea. Uh, Maybe that's just how they do it in Miskatonic. Uh, If you're a medical student, let us know. Right, right, right to us on the, on the Facebook page. uh, And then get back to studying. Yeah, seriously. You know, that's. Your parents aren't paying you to party. Uh, or possibly at all. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, there's the, the music. Let's talk a little bit about the music. There's, there's, this is one oh, of the things that really is very 80s about the film is there's a mm-hmm. lot of synthy soundtrack. So uh, this, uh, well, so did you did you notice what the the like the opening like it's it elf mini almost score is? Did, did you did you no. it, it's the psycho theme. Really? <laughs> it's the opening theme from Psycho, just modified a bit. And, um, you know, I read this, and apparently the, uh, you know, on one of the, like, the special features or something, the musical, the, the guy that did the music was just, like, you know, openly admits to it being an homage to Psycho. And if you listen to them side by side, it's so apparent that I don't, that I believe him that it's not, you know, a ripoff, because it's, it's... So, so they both like you know they they both have like that like you know like really driving um you know violin string sort of thing, and then they they, they and then in the, in the psycho theme you know that there's a bit of like uh, you know it, it sort of like drifts off into another 
melody or something. And the reanimator does the same thing, but it goes for like a really goofy sort of melody. So I think that's so again, yeah, I I, I believe him when he says that you know it was it was definitely an homage uh, to the the psycho theme in 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 a way that works for this movie. There's a there's a bit in a. I first noticed it in the searching for Rufus scene where they're trying to find Rufus in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, uh, there's this synth drum in the soundtrack that sounds like someone dribbling a basketball. <laughs> so it's like, searching for the cat. And it's like, it, it's, it's, you know, it's just some synth tom sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I could not, for the rest of the film, stop basically imagining someone off-frame dribbling a basketball like hey guys what are you doing you're looking for your cat you should try under the cabinet maybe maybe you got behind the bed yeah it's it really uh it took me a little bit out of the film uh for whatever reason but uh but yes it um what do you call it It, it, that actually reminds me of i don't remember what simpsons episode this is this is like a good joke from a later episode of the simpsons which is rare but it's uh it's it's just you know orson welles doing the war of the world uh, doing i don't don't remember if it was war of the world it was like you know just an orson welles type guy doing a radio show but you see like the foley artist there with all of his like gear and um and oh man, it's like, oh yeah, it's like you know, it's like, and now it's like you know, now they're riding horses in the rain, and you see the foley artists with like coconuts and you know, like a little tin sheet to make the sound. There, it's like now they're, uh, it's like you know, the, now they're bowling near an airport, and you see the guy like you know, he, he like drops some stuff and you know, makes an airplane noise, and then he you know, like the guy just says something like completely you know, incredulous, like you know, now they're on fire, you know, in space, exploding, and the foley artist just holds up a sign that says, "I quit." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, I forgot what we were talking about. Oh, you know, uh, geopolitics in, in the Soviet bloc. Um, let's see. Well, I was talking about the soundtrack and the searching for oh, yes. basketball. So we were talking yeah. about basketball is what we were talking about. Um, but, oh, okay, one thing that is sort of a weird recurring theme, and this goes beyond Dan being a net wet noodle to just being like sort of mm-hmm. maybe not someone you get engaged to. Like, there are multiple times in this film where Meg commits the minor violation of someone's, like, boundaries in the process of coming across some obviously terrible thing. And Dan's reaction is essentially, hey, don't violate people's privacy like that. You know, like, like she bursts <laughs> in, like, like, Dan sneaks in to... Or, or, or no, okay, so Meg sneaks into Herbert's room when they're looking for Rufus. She sneaks into right. his room because they aren't finding the cat, and she's probably got her suspicions, but she sneaks in, and she finds the dead cat in the fridge. And that's a, the fridge which is sort of sitting half open, I think. I don't think she even opened the fridge. I think she just sort of walked in. And that, but anyway, uh, regardless, she finds a cat in the fridge, and she's like, fuck! You know, she, she screams. Herbert and Dan both run in. I think maybe maybe Dan gets there first. And then Herbert's like, hey, I, I expected this was a private room. And then Dan like turns to Meg and he's like, Meg, what the hell are you doing in here? Not yeah. Herbert, what the fuck is my cat doing in your fridge? Which Well, I think he hadn't noticed the cat yet, because then Meg says, Look, in the fr- in the refrigerator, and then Dan notices the cat? I don't know, maybe. I think I think he saw the cat maybe I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to say. He 
in any case, she was clearly distressed. Like, you know, and right. I'm thinking like if, if, if you're apparently secret fiance is super fucking distressed about something, maybe you inquire along that line of inquiry instead of taking your weird new roommate that neither of you likes prompting about privacy to be like, what the hell are you doing in here, honey? Yeah. It felt a, and later on she comes down to the basement and he's like, hey, what are you doing down here? When she's like, oh, fuck, the cat again, the dead cat again. What the fuck are you guys doing? You know, it just felt like a weird recurring sort of like, I don't think, I don't think Dan was a very good fiance, basically. No. Like, I feel like his priorities were maybe a little bit out of whack. Yeah, no, he, yeah. And I mean, you know, he's just like, hey, let's get married so you can move in with me. That's, you know, that's, it's one of sex all the time. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, and and then she like calls me. She's like, I I don't think that's really a good way to start a marriage. <laughs> you know, she she's the one that actually has sense. Yep. Um. Yeah, and he's you know he is the 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 absent-minded medical student who who gets into trouble uh, beyond over his head or whatever. Um. Yeah, I did not like Meg. But she did. I, I liked her more than I did Dan. Yeah. Well, there's there's not really anybody in the film to like. I mean, you can sort of Except get behind her. Herbert, but you don't you don't even like Herbert really. I mean, I, it's it's not like he, he's he's more antihero than than anything. Like you can, I, I I was rooting for him insofar as I like Jeffrey Combs and I want to see him have more screen time and I you know the entertaining stuff happens when he's around. But at the same time, I still wouldn't say that I liked Herbert. Like Herbert was still you know, a weird sort of psycho sociopath, mad scientist dude who wasn't necessarily uh, displaying a whole lot of, I don't know, sense of altruism, even as in his hunt for the, you know, defeat of death. Part, partly the fact that he never really acknowledges the nature of the problems with the research to date makes it harder to feel like this guy is clearly, clearly thinking about, you know, the benefit of mankind rather than. Like, oh yeah. No, no. I, I had no point had, at no point does the movie even try to convince you that 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 you know Herbert is doing this for like altruistic purposes. It, it, it the, you know he they he he goes out of his way to you know make it clear that he's doing this just simply to do it. Yeah, it's his like Everest. there is there is yeah there they, he wants to bring the dead back to life. What'll happen beyond that? Uh, who the fuck cares? And and in a way that actually you know gives him a purer motive for it than Hill, who's just like you know I will reveal to an astonished crowd my greatest invention <laughs> um and herbert west is just like you know at no point did he like you know he, he he was even you know willing to like leave medical school he's just like you know it's like you know uh, it's me and you dan it's like from this point on anything we do you know we get to pick what to do because our thing works you know did, did, he didn't even have a plan beyond actually getting it to work yeah it was just all about, um all about the mad science uh there's a uh, when they're so they're they're hunting for the zombie cat like they 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 bring the cat back to life and then the cat is like zipping around the fucking basement and there's just like minute or so minute maybe two of them hunting the zombie cat hunting zombie rufus mm -hmm. and there's a oh, with single the, with the, with yeah there's a single light bulb uh swinging so you've got this light and dark <laughs> things in a slow it, it feels like a really weird odd slapstick ode to like alien you know, it's like such yeah, a jarring was, mix. Yeah, and he's got the croquet mallet. You know, <laughs> of, all, of all weapons to pick. You know, you, you know, Dan's got the bat, which is okay, but Herbert's got the croquet mallet, and he he's not great with it because at one point he's just like starts swinging wildly at a thing, and then the light swings onto it. And it's a gas can. Um, 
Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that scene because I was just like, you know what? I don't think any of the actors here, I don't think any of the, you know, the director or, you know, any, any anybody involved in this movie had the ability to make like a genuinely like tense, you know, darkened basement swinging light bulb thing is after you scene. So they're just like, you know what? It's a fucking cat. They are, you know, these two schmucks. Let's make it, you know, let's make it slapstick. And and they, and they did, but, you know, again, they did it straight, so it, it was even funnier. And then, you know, all the way at the end when uh, Herbert's like, look out! And uh, Dan turns around and the cat's still on the floor and <laughs> Herbert just starts cracking up. <laughs> I think that was... Uh, oh, Herbert, you asshole. Uh, there's the corpse shopping scene where they sneak into the morgue and they're... <laughs> and I loved that. I mean, it's, it's again, it's one of those things where it's it's funny... Herbert's taking it totally seriously, but, you know, he's being sort of mildly sarcastic as he's searching for the correct body. But the whole and thing is sort of hilarious. Yep. And, uh, yeah. but, but it also reminded me of the, uh, walk hunting for a new, almost dead oh, buddy yeah. in, in prophecy. Uh, <laughs> it's like, checking out the charts. Things. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and again, similarly, like straight faced, but funny because it can't not be funny. Cause the actors like, you know, fun to watch doing his sort of like, you know, yeah. surprisingly blase about what he's currently doing, uh, thing. And then they, 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 they top it off when they, you know, uh, what is it? A uh, Chekhov's bone saw, uh, <laughs> and you know, like the bone saw is just like so lovingly introduced by Hill that, you know, that thing's coming back. Yep. And then, you know, this, this is the, uh, the zombies like choking, uh, is he choking Halsey or Dan? I don't Halsey, remember which. Halsey. Uh, yeah, but then, cause he, but, you know, like, uh, yeah, so 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 they're uh, so they bring they bring this zombie back to life that was in good shape and just had heart failure apparently, and apparently your heart stops failing after you get reanimated, so that's neat. Um, but uh, the zombie chases them around; they're screaming, and the dean is standing outside the door, and then the zombie pushes down the door and it falls over on the Dean and then the zombie jumps on the door a couple of times. And then there's a cracking noise. There's a very clear, like cracking or smushing noise. Yeah. Which, yeah. After which, yeah, he gets his hand on Halsey and they're trying to pull him off Halsey, but they can't. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, the thing is apparently beating Halsey to death. And, and yeah, Herbert plunges a bone saw yeah. through, which I don't think that would really work. Like no. The cutting blade is not in that direction. So it'd take an awful long time to work your way through someone's torso. But, but in any case, yes, murder by apparently stopped his heart but, uh, even yeah. more this time. But what, what I liked about that is that he's just like, you know, he's really fervent about getting to that bone saw. Like, you know, he smashes the window and then, like he grabs it out. And then like all of a sudden you hear Dan and he turns around. Herbert's got the bone saw. He's like, watch out. And he just walks <laughs> up to him. Just like that, that totally blase, like, watch out. Um, was it was great, and there was another thing like that. Oh, that's right. When um, when Hill and his body, or possibly Hill and his head, depending on what where the seat of consciousness is, um, you know, when when they get out, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, and then you know he's talking to Dan about it. It's just like you know, so I had to I had to kill him. It's like wait, Hill's dead? Uh, not anymore. Yep. <laughs> that was uh. I enjoyed that. A little bit earlier, there's there's Meg and Dan, and, and they're talking, and Meg just slaps Dan, and Dan's like, he's not insane, and she just slaps him again. I always like her. Love a good double slap. Um, I also like how uh, zombie Dean Halsey managed to cock block Dr. Hill, once again trying to make the moves on 
uh, Meg. Yeah, that actor was really good, like doing like the you know like dead ahead staring like you know zombie antics thing. He was like he was he was clowning it up, and yeah, it was, was it was funny. Yeah, it was, it was a really I, I nice was contrast to his because yeah, he's just playing such a you know oh, I'm a college dean, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a jovial fellow, and then yeah, crazy mental zombie dude. Uh, he pulled off the transition well. Uh, more slapstick, the impaling Dr. Hill's uh, cut off head. Oh, on the spindle? Yeah, on, on the letter spike or whatever you call those uh, after it keeps falling over otherwise. I wanted to say, okay, so <laughs> I, 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 my notes actually on this subject start with a phrase, I feel like an idiot complaining about the fake science at this point. But, uh, but why on earth would injecting a headless body do anything if this is all about stimulating the brain? You know, why would injecting his disembodied body do anything? And in any case, why would the body be under the command of the head is no longer attached to? I think, you see, this is where I think um, cutting out the hypnosis stuff messes up with something. Because I think the reason that, like, um, Hill, unlike all the other zombies, still had, like, control of his consciousness and his body was because of whatever, like, you know, the, the hypnosis, whatever his... The strength of his will, whatever his magical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I can I I can buy. Because yeah, it because you know if you if you think of his like hypnotic powers as like an ESP thing rather than like I learned it out of a book thing, um, then yeah, you know why wouldn't he have the ability to like retain his will? And he also you know he's also very knowledgeable about the human will and its you know uh, what do you call it biological origins and stuff. So of all the candidates in this movie to actually be able to do that, he is the top one. See, and yeah, I, I I can buy that. Like like he's sort of the the apotheosis of study of will and mesmerism mm-hmm. uh much as herbert is is sort of like this genius apotheosis of the actual sort of reanimatory science so if only they could have teamed up you know then maybe they could have done things but uh but yeah again that's not in the original like theatrical cut that i watched so it's like there's yeah. nothing it's just like oh and also bodies apparently can, can be controlled <laughs> by heads and uh and also this guy has psychic powers. Yeah. See, the, the, without the psychic power thing, it's sort of left that he mm-hmm. just is really convincing to, like, you know, he knows how to recruit a zombie. You know, he's got right. his laser drill. Dr. Hill's got his laser drill that he uses to perform uh, laser lobotomies on people, which is how he tames all his zombies so that they'll... Which is the science part that I had a problem <laughs> with because there, there's a step missing in there. <laughs> no, that's how it works. If you lobotomize someone, they automatically do whatever you tell them because that's exactly how lobotomies work, which is why they're <laughs> such a famously uh, cherished and productive procedure even to this day. Um, <laughs> like, in 85, it wasn't... This, this, this was not science that was still particularly in good standing in 85, I don't think. But then again, nah. this is the 1985 remake of a film uh, of stories written in the like early 20th century. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to know, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's mad science and why not mad medicine, you know? And I will it's, say uh, as much as I object to him steering his body around and the way his body was apparently able to see things on its own at various mm-hmm. points, uh, and all the other huge problems with that ridiculousness, uh, it did make for some good further comedy in the film. Like, there's a really great moment where Dr. Hill's apparently sort of steering his headless body and it's fumbling around, uh, and and Dr. Hill just rolls his eyes at one point in frustration yeah. at how stupid his body is, and it's just like the best eye roll in the entire film. 
Uh, yeah, no, I actually, you know, I've, I've really only ever seen it, you know, it, it's it's rare to see it in a movie. You usually just see it in, like, cartoons where somebody's, like, head gets knocked off and then they start doing, like, the, the body's commanding it, but the, I mean, the head's commanding it, but the body's really clumsy and they're, like, two distinct entities until the head gets reattached. Yeah. And it was nice to see, and, you know, when it's done well, it's funny because, you know, it's it it's the, um, it's it's sort of like the same humor that you get in, um, what do you call it, uh, Young Frankenstein when he's trying to, you know, get the monster to do things oh. and, you know the monster's like hideously clumsy and can't really pull it off. It's it's that same kind of same kind of like humor, and, and when it's done well, like it was in this movie, it, it's it's funny. So it was great to see that body like shambling around. Um, the body found it around. The oh. um, do you, do you, do you think they they actually got the right blood type for his head, or do you think the reanimating fluid works on any kind of blood? I don't know. It's a it's a good question because he didn't seem to need more reanimating fluid after. Uh, well, well, he did eventually, I guess. But but immediately, he just needed blood. And oh, that's another thing. At one point, he he has well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I've got like three. So so he ends up putting the uh, the diagnostic uh, model head on the head of his headless body. That was uh, and, and surgical that. mask on it, which is like it's so goofy, so goofy, but kind of kind of wonderful. So now it can walk around and blend in even though it's clearly a plastic model that's missing its skin on one side. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, the uh the, the security guard is not an attentive dude as we established throughout the film, so that's fine. It's way uh, too busy with his uh, issue of Boudoir yeah. magazine. <laughs> like on two separate occasions he clearly oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom and jack off now. You know, <laughs> it doesn't say it, but he's, you know, that's exactly that's all you can assume. Uh break time. But uh, so so headless Dr. Hill's body with the head on top takes Dr. Hill's head inside a bag into the morgue. And then he opens it up and he clearly gasps for air. And is like, oh, that's better. Why would you need air if you're a head with no it doesn't you don't have lungs. You're just the you're brain still needs oxygen. Well, yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't get that oxygen by breathing in air through its lungs. So gasping makes no sense. You're just channeling air through your, you know, severed trachea up through your mouth, you know, and I don't even know how you'd pull it off because it's the lungs that would drive that motion. So there's all kinds of problems with the science. I'm, I, apparently I'm going to complain about it, even though it's insanely stupid to do so, because <laughs> this is not, this is not a film that uh, defends itself well on, on some of the, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just, I, again, I feel like an idiot. I feel like an idiot sitting here complaining about it. But at the same time, you know, you don't have to have good science. Clearly, the film is not a science film. It's not a film right. about anatomy. You know, you know, to the extent that like Frankenstein was about anatomy, it was still sort of nonsense. But it was at least sort of focused on nonsense. Like you know, you could just decide, take it as a given that the things that Doctor Frankenstein, <laughs> Frankenstein was <laughs> was doing in assembling his creature, you know, he's at least you know treating it as well. I've discovered how to do this surgical procedure, you know, and then you say, okay, well, it's possible, but makes a good horror story. But this film, there's so much in here that's like you know unnecessarily dumb, and and yet the film is really. I don't know. I mean, I guess here's the central question for this film. Was this film trying to be a comedy or was it trying to be sort of a horror thriller with some funny notes? I think it was explicitly campy, which I which in my mind is kind of different than comedy. 
And so I, I think they set out to make a campy horror movie, and they did. And necessarily, that has to be funny at times, but it also has to be cheesy at times. Because, I mean, that's sort of like how the whole campiness thing works. Yeah. So I, I think... It it doesn't you know if you try to watch it as a comedy it, it it's not going to work if you try to watch it as like a science fiction like horror thriller movie it also doesn't work but if you try to like watch it you know as an exercise in in camp and in adapting a parody made by a guy who himself you know is 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 ripe for parody because I mean you know Lovecraft is you know the the, the purplest of prose. So, you know, when, when, you, when you mix all that in together, it's just sort of its, it's, its own thing. And I don't, think this movie, there, I don't think this movie would have been able to work in any other way, at least with the set pieces that it had. Like, you know, if it was just a movie about, like, you know, people discovering a serum to bring zombies back to life and then it's a zombie movie, well, then you just have, like, a fucking zombie movie. It's, you know, we, we have a lot of those and you could do it yeah. well, you could do it poorly. But this specifically, where you have, like, the, the explicitly, like, mad scientists yeah. and where you have the, uh, you know, where you have, like, the really crazy stuff, like heads talking by themselves, it, it becomes, you know, it becomes a different movie. Yeah, and that's, the, that. that's the thing. I mean, I can complain about the head, you know, talking by itself and... and gasping for him well not but at the same time obviously if you're going to have the head be decapitated then then it can't talk you don't have a lot of a character there so okay the head's got to be able to talk and if the head's going to be able to talk you're either going to have to come up with some overt justification for how it can produce sound and move air or you're going to have to not and if producing that sort of mechanic for how that would happen is tedious then yeah Mm -hmm. ditch it and so in that sense i mean i totally understand it's it's his adaptive decapitated head and it's talking and that's that's all there's to it and if you're talking at that point you're clearly using air and so why not gas for breath but at the same time i would have been it's it's a comedy note that just sort of just sets me off a little bit it it, it uh, could also be that that thing you know how when you watch like a ghost movie and ghosts are still doing people things just out of habit like you know they'll sit down to eat even though ghosts don't need to eat it could be one of those things where he you know like instinctively like feels like he's out of breath even though were he to actually run out of breath nothing would happen sure so maybe just like you know his 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 brain remembering how his body should be working even though it no longer you know like even though it no longer needs to work like that i I will, I will. It's like that. Uh, what do you call it? The the, the swamp thing issue where they discover the, the you know that Alan Moore swamp yes, thing issue. Yes, the the, the, yeah. the classic uh, turning it on its head where swamp thing goes from being the the, the classic can- canonical origin of swamp thing that big green swampy looking thing in the comics mm-hmm. uh, was that he was a scientist who uh, got like uh, blown up in like what probably a mob hit on his laboratory or something. It's always some yeah. always the mob fucking with nascent superheroes. Uh, and so he gets like thrown bodily into the swamp where he should clearly have been blown up and dead but instead his work that he was doing his chemicals came with him and landed in the swamp and the specific situation caused him to sort of like heal himself as this swamp monster instead of dying and and so he was always this man wandering around being uh, this big monster of the man that he used to be uh, and then Alan Moore wrote this wonderful uh, sort of reboot of the idea where uh, the Swamp Thing basically discovered uh, that he was not, or, or, or I think maybe a scientist discovered and, and yeah, they, they, did a, they, they did a, they dissected him. Yeah. They, yeah. And, and, and uh, was, you go ahead. <laughs> it was basically, it was established that what had actually happened is that the man, the, the, the scientist had in fact died. And then what Swamp Thing was, was sort of the animation of swamp material around 
essentially the guy's ghost around his sense mm-hmm. of being. So, so the swamp thing was actually some unrelated uh, sentient conglomeration of material that just thought that it was this man. It thought that it was retaining, yeah. you know, this man because it retained his, his memories and whatnot. And it sort of has this huge sort of change in the character and motivation when it goes from trying to find some way to unswampify itself and go back to being the man it is mm-hmm. to realizing that, no, actually, it is not this man. And it, it's just been sort of chasing a false identity. And what it is is really just this other being entirely. And it sort of goes back to the land and tries to mm-hmm. remove itself from its uh, human habits that it's carrying around just because it happens to carry the dude's yeah. consciousness which is it was a yeah, it was a really neat yeah. sort of swivel for that character and but one of the one of the really cool things about like the actual dissection was like the way that the doctor realizes that this is what happens to the swamp thing is that you know they open them up and you know there's like there's all these organs but they're all like you know cargo culty organs they're just you know they're their lungs made of wood that don't do anything they're just yeah. there because that's that's the way that like you know the combination of his co- of like uh, the scientist consciousness and you know the swamp's consciousness merges it's like well we got to make lungs even though they're not going to do anything and that was how like you know they figured out and i think eventually he it turns out he's like a nature elemental or, or something. something like that yeah. But yeah, it's neat. And, and yeah, it, it, it's, yeah it, it's a cool thing. So in summary, go read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good talk to you. Um, let's see. Uh, I had some other notes as well. Uh, I like that there's sort of like the zombie staff meeting at one point when Dr. Hill, headless Dr. Hill is talking to uh, straight-jacketed uh, zombie Dean Halsey. I just kind of liked the idea that they were standing around like, oh, you know, well, you got anything else we got to talk about? Oh, well, yeah, there's this thing. Um, oh, but I wanted to say about the, the the headless body fumbling around. The thing that it reminded me a lot of is like YouTube videos of dogs eating with human hands. I was like, it, it, oh. it you know, it's like oh, it's, it's, it's got that. exactly that sort of weird clumsiness of, uh, you know, because it is exactly that, except for you're throwing in a hungry dog uh, to boot. Uh, so, yeah. That's all I just say. Uh, <laughs> and I, I could watch those videos all day. They're so dumb, but it's like, yes. Um, um, there was just something in my notes. Uh, we talked about the nudity and how it comes back and, yeah. and how he yeah, has very conspicuously uh, uh, Dr. Hill kidnaps Meg. Headless Dr. Hill manages to kidnap Meg, which is kind of impressive. Uh, and then ties her up his body uh, or, or actually it's not, it's not his body. No, it's, uh, it, it's Halsey. It, yeah, Doesn't it's, Halsey tie her up? Yeah. It's Dean Halsey, zombie Dean Halsey under Dr. Headless, Dr. Hill's psychic control ties up his own, like strips naked and ties up his own daughter on, uh, like operating room table or, or tray. Uh, and then, and then Dr. Hill's headless body starts fondling her and then picks up his head and we get right at the point where he's clearly about to start performing headless cunnilingus on this tied up girl, the head giving head, oh, but, uh, until it's interrupted by like Herbert, uh, showing up. Uh, which oh, was and, like, and he doesn't even like you know Herbert shows up there. He doesn't even like you know break in there like you know stop this at once. He's just like Doctor Hill, you asshole. Yep, he's just strolling in, and that's that's like my favorite line in the entire film comes up shortly here after where where Herbert is like like, like Doctor Hill's like you know I'll tell the world uh, you know what you've done like you know kill people or whatever and 
and, and Herbert talking to Dr. Hill's severed head is like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Who's going to believe you? Get a job in a sideshow. And the line delivery is just, just okay, perfect. Okay, that delivery, it, this has been bugging me for like, I, since I saw this movie, I literally just smacked my hand against the, 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 the bed that I'm laying on. Um, but th- I heard that exact same delivery in something else, and I cannot put my finger on it. It's just been bugging the shit out of me. It could and, be a Jeffrey Combs thing. He's got like he's got a very idiosyncratic style to some of his mm-hmm. delivery that works really well. So it's possible he said something pretty similar in a in a Star Trek episode in one of the seven characters he played at some point. Um, he's I, there was a a note I had uh, Angela noted he says oh yes at some point earlier in the film and that may be mm-hmm. something he said in a number of roles or something very similar. Like I feel like I should go make a supercut of just him saying you know yes in a sort of creepy jeffrey Combs sort of way but yeah i don't know i mean that i heard that line and i was like oh fuck yeah that line and i've only ever seen this film once before a couple uh years ago probably uh and i don't know i i don't know if it is that someone else used a similar line delivery or something or if it was just so memorable to me that it stuck with me because if it's if it jumped out to you and you haven't seen this before i don't know Well, no, I had seen it before, but I, in fact, the the last time I saw it, I don't think I got to the end because I, I fell asleep, which is also why I was waiting for the scene where uh, Herbert West and Dr. Hill team up to go do something. And apparently I dreamt that because <laughs> I explicitly remember a scene where they, you know, they, 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 they teamed up and Hill was just like, all right, you can, you can help me. You've proven yourself. And I'm just like, I've been, I was waiting for that. I'm just like, that never happens. And then they, you know, West kills him. What, uh, what the hell? Oh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, but you know, that the delivery of that line was, was just absolutely wonderful. Just like that rapid fire dismissal of him. Yeah. And it also, so you know, contemptuous, echoes, so beautifully contemptuous. Yeah, it, it, it echoes right back to, uh, you know, when he just meets him too, which is great. Yep. Um, oh, uh, the, the, the zombie, uh, all the way at the end, when all the zombies rise up and start, you know, causing havoc, the the guy that's covered in those red things and then he pulls one of them out of his mouth, what is that? I, don't I, know. I could not figure it out. I did not, I, I did not follow what was going on there exactly. Uh, Angela was noting, she was looking through the various, like the write-up of the various serialized stories that this mm-hmm. came from, uh, that all the pieces put together, her theory is maybe all of those different zombies that came alive there were references to uh, various bodies from the different stories. Because like one of the yeah. one of the people that deal with early on in the serials, I think, mm-hmm. uh, is a guy who got burned to death. Um, and so there's the the really conspicuously burned corpse in there may have been a direct reference to that. And so maybe whatever the guy with the red things was was another one. Maybe someone did get shot in the head. Uh, you said they went to war, so maybe there was a guy who got you know shot in the face. Uh, well, yeah, all of the uh, all of the corpses that they examine before um, are what do you call it? They they show up because it's like you know, there's your meatball, yeah, and there's the yeah. one that was shot in the head. Yeah, those, um, those are all the ones that uh, Doctor Hill secretly uh, yeah. lobotomized and and rejuvenated and managed to get to lay still. 
There's actually um, a really great parallel where uh, you know that that first time that uh, Dan you know walks into the walks into the morgue and there's like that hanging arm and he just like you know just like really uncomfortably readjusts it and then it falls back off again. Then he exits out of there and he's just like drenched in sweat. Yep. And I, I you know I like that when uh, Herb when Herbert is like looking for the right body and he's like reading all the tags and like the arm is still dangling there and just like smacks it out of the way. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was also, there was something really funny about him putting his shoes on, but I, I can't place it. They're just like, you know, how he, you know, sort of like props himself up real quick and then it starts having to put his shoes back on. Like the fact that he had to take them off for that plan that they went through that far into the plan was, yeah. uh, something about that was, was great. Little, 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 uh, twisted, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers, yeah. uh, reference almost maybe. Uh, there was a bunch of yeah. There was a bunch of great little notes in that zombie havoc at the end. There, uh, at one point, uh, the dean headbutts Doctor Hill's severed head. Yeah, uh, I, I I laughed at that. Uh, all the zombies end up having sympathy pain when the dean gets his hands on Hill's head and starts mm-hmm. like squeezing it, and all the zombies are like, "Oh my head!" And then he gouges out Doctor Hill's eyes, and all the zombies mm-hmm. are. Uh, their their eyes are hurting. Oh, how did we not mention Hans Gruber's exploding eyes? Uh, at the start and, of the film, yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 twitch like independently, and then they blow. And did you notice that like everybody who gets the the the, the serum or the the reagent starts bleeding from the mouth? Yeah, that seems to be a thing. Do you too. think that was just like an effect, like that their effects guy like was just like I got bleeding from the mouth, fucking down. <laughs> it's like we'll just we'll just use it. It'll set up a you know a, a visual consistency across the zombies. You know the, the mouth bleeding. I, uh... <laughs> We also bought six gross of these blood capsules instead of six, so <laughs> we can't return them. Uh, yeah, no, I kind of, I, I suspect that because yeah, it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. I mean, I guess we see the the, the big beefy dude, the first guy in the morgue that they mm-hmm. successfully. Uh, he, he's very vain, bulgy, and we don't get that consistently across all the other zombies. But maybe there's a suggestion that yeah, maybe you just get this super vascular uh, response going on. Uh, well, they used a lot. I think they used more reagent in him than on any of the other ones. So that might have been a side effect of that. Yeah, maybe so. How do you think they made that reagent glow? Is you, you think it's just that liquid that glows, or they were shining like a special light on it? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something that was, yeah, like re- reacted well to UV, and then they just put like a UV spot on it, uh, which wouldn't ruin the rest of the shot because it's just UV, yeah. and it's not going to pick up uh, on the camera. But then, yeah, the stuff just like really... Uh, reacted well to that and was easy to get to glow nice but I don't know I'd be curious I'd be curious about uh, yeah I don't know because you know like if they shot that now they do it with CGI and it wouldn't look like half as cool yeah yeah I I just yeah I really like the effect on that yeah all all in all like this felt like a movie that probably did not get a ton of money spent on making it but still the practical effects were you know, pretty good and pretty fun. Like they, they, it feels like it feels again, like a very mid eighties horror movie in, in terms partly of the obviously not the best money can buy effects, but still they were having a good time, you know, doing some pretty good gross effects and stuff. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be curious to know more about uh, how they budget was 900,000. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's not peanuts, but it's not a ton. Yeah. Um, Let's see what else. Oh, and and Herbert. So Herbert overdoses Hill's decapitated body. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and which brings the organs to life. Yeah, which is which is like the, the a total like cross the streams end of Ghostbusters. Like, let's do this yeah. thing that we shouldn't do, and but but not set up as much. So it's more like clearly yeah. it's not a good idea because he's complained about dosage as being wrong. But uh, mm-hmm. but then yeah, he just uh, yeah, the, the organs come to life. Uh, see, was that explicitly said in the film or? Because I saw this, I, okay, I'll, 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 I watched this and I saw that sequence and this is what I got out of it. I, I interpreted it as him plunging stuff into the body and that caused the body to finally get a little bit Lovecraftian, like finally actually get yeah. otherworldly and a tentacle came out of the shattered, exploded corpse of Dr. Hill's body. But, uh, but Angela was like, no, no, it was, it was, it was in t- his intestine, you know, was, yeah. which makes a lot more sense than a tentacle coming from nowhere, uh, even if it also is kind of silly as an intestine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm wondering. But I mean, it, it's, still, it's still like I, the, the Lovecraftian tentacle thing is still a thing. And, you know, when you, when, when you got Lovecraft, you know, tentacles is like one of the first things you think of. So I think it was definitely, they were just like, how do we get this in here? You know, hey, intestine, that looks like a tentacle. Let's yeah. just get that to, uh, so I, I think it was both that, you know, it's like, you know, the body's organs are coming to life individually because like the massive amount of reagent, but also, you know, this is Lovecraft. So we got to have some of that in there somewhere. Yeah. Because I mean, this this isn't just the reanimator. This is H.P. Lovecraft's the yes, reanimator. Exactly. Now, okay, but with the organs coming alive thing, is this just? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see a reference to this, or was that just naturally yeah, your read on? Um, there was a couple. So at a couple of points, because remember how Herbert's thing isn't. He's not just trying to get the bodies moving again. Like his whole thing is to prove that they have consciousness, and so he. There's, you know, there's definitely a separation made between like read, like, you know, bringing it back to life, like actual life, and then just like, you know, locomoting it and making it do shit. You know, they, they, they draw a distinction between those things. Yes. And, you know, that, that, you know, they, I think at one point somebody mentions, you know, it was either Herbert or Dan mentions the fact that the serum, you know, can cause like effects on the nerves, you know, it just, you know, boots the nerves back up, but not the brain, which is why, you know, you could plug, you could stick it into a body and then that, that's how it does it. So I think when you, when you just, when he overdoses it, um, you know, all of like the, you know, the, all of the nerves just, ex- you know, have like more power in them than they ever did. So that's how like they're able to animate themselves. So it, I, for me, it wasn't totally out of the blue. Okay. It was definitely like one of those, it was definitely like, it was unexpected, but it wasn't one of those things to be like, wait, that doesn't, you know, for me, it made sense within the scope of like the way that they explain the stuff works. Yeah, this, this may come down to me being, uh, again, overly centric on the idea. Like, I, I feel like it's sort of emphasized a couple times in the, the film that like in the brain is what you need to do, but maybe the idea is in the brain because we're going for a conscious reaction rather than in the brain because that's how the serum works. So yeah. maybe I just need to let go of that uh, presumption uh, about uh, what the, the, the sort of mechanics of the serum are supposed to be. I was maybe being too literal about the sort of central nervous system yeah. focus of the whole thing. So, Plus psychic um, powers. Why, why, am I, nah. why am I continuing to be a peep <laughs> about this shit? Uh, you know what I, I have to say bugged me? What? La- there was no laser drill payoff. It's true. There wasn't really. I mean, there was in the sense that the laser drill... Uh, was threatening Herbert, although that didn't play super well. Like it, it, it felt like it got lost in the shuffle of that late film madness, where at one point the laser drill was totally going to fucking lobotomize Herbert, and then it didn't. But it was just sort of smooshed in there, so it wasn't a big dramatic yeah. moment. It was just sort of like part of the chaos. 
Uh, yeah, I, I was hoping, you know, that they'd, you know, like power the thing up and chop something's limbs off with it. But now that I'm thinking about it, they maybe didn't have that kind of effects budget. So, because yeah. there wasn't, because you need animation for that. Yeah. Like we did and get, I didn't see any animation in the movie. Yeah. Dr. Hill, or not Dr. Hill, but Dean Halsey, zombie Dean Halsey, uh, after his triumphant uh, attacking of, of Dr. Hill's head, uh, does get torn to pieces by the various zombie servants yeah. but it's it's done in very silhouette. much in silhouette yeah which is like a that's a smart cheap way to do an effect just like and it's really clearly a dummy yeah. um but yeah there's uh but yeah so i i think just doing something with a laser drill outside of like that little bit would have required effects that they probably didn't have the budget for didn't have the budget to make look good and i mean the practical effects were great they were uh they, they they really did a good job. And on some of the zombies, the makeup looked a little loose or looked like makeup, basically, instead of like wounds and stuff. But I, I think for the most part, they did really good. Although one thing about watching this movie um, in, I think I was watching it in like 1080, um, uh, Herbert West is wearing a lot of makeup. Dude's got a lot of foundation on, which which I, I think this might be a problem with like movies coming out in like super high def now, where like you know if you're watching it on a really big screen, your brain can sort of process it out. But if you're watching a really high def movie on like a you know a TV, but a big TV, you could really see the fact that people are wearing makeup, and that bugs me. Yeah. Um, well, and and that and, just might be a me thing. <laughs> and, and it's funny, not that he was old by any means, but uh, this was. Uh, Jeffrey Combs like first credit role was like 1981. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think he was 27 already by then. And he was like 31 for this. So it's, he wasn't, it's not like they had to young him up or anything particularly, but, but he's also a little bit like, and I always sort of like the first time I saw this, I hadn't really thought about it. I kind of imagined that he must've been, you know, like, yeah, they got some 24 uh, mm-hmm. year old intense guy to play this, this role, but he's actually a little bit older than that. And so it's possible. Uh, well, I don't think it was like age, dropping makeup i think it was just like you know yeah, movie just, makeup yeah. to make him look his face look you know consistent yeah um but yeah i i i think that's a really weird i'm reaching for straws for problems <laughs> to have with this movie it's you know i've managed to come up with complaints but it's a fun movie i understand why this movie is you know a a cult classic you know it's yeah. i understand why people were like oh shit you gotta watch this the other thing about this movie is that while I was taking notes and while I was watching it, I'm just watching it. It's it's all surface. There's no, there's outside of like a vaguely homoerotic subtext between uh, Herbert and 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 Dan. There's not a lot of subtext. Like with this movie, what you see is 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 what the movie is. It's it's not like cleverly referential or at least isn't constantly there might you know there's a couple of things here and there and obviously the frankenstein thing but you know it's 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 really like the movie that you're watching is the movie that they they wanted to be made and it that they they didn't want to throw anything like additional in there like it it it's sort of like the opposite of um House of the Devil in that way, where that's also like a very like you know what you're looking at is is the movie you get you know you the there's there's not you don't have to like look beyond what you're seeing a bit until you realize that it's like you know this really really uh, well done homage to like a different kind of movie making. With this movie doesn't even have that level. It's just like this 
this this is this is a movie. That's it. This is either you enjoy it or you don't. But there, you you're not going to be digging into it too yeah, much. Yeah, it, it's sort of a movie that feels like it could be pretty successfully laid out in uh, a treatment that was like, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and just like you know, it's it's like a, an extremely precocious six year old's description of this film yeah. would be a reliable roadmap for actually making the film. Like you know, you're not going to have that problem of them not sort of getting what was supposed to be. Good. So yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. Yeah, um, and, and I think because of, because of that, like if anybody else except Jeffrey Combs had played uh, West, and to an extent, if anybody else except oh, I'm totally spaced on his name, the guy that played Hill, yeah. um, totally spaced. But yeah, if those guys weren't played by the actors they were, I think the movie would be considerably worse because so much of the movie is uh, just oh David Gale, his name's David Gale, yeah. But so much of the movie is just like watching Herbert West's antics. Yeah, it really falls um, down to their their strength of personality, which really comes through well, and 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 yeah, makes it work. I I don't know. I mean, I I, I think you could replace replace uh, David Gale with any number of actors who played roles that his is essentially an homage to. I mean, we're talking about old school horror movies. Right. If we had Christopher Lee as that, I think that would have worked too. Uh, you know, if you, if you could. Uh, uh, somehow get Bella Lugosi in there. That would uh, probably have worked. Um, I was going to make a heroin joke, but it's in poor taste. <laughs> um, what random trivia that I just noticed is I happened to catch this. I wasn't even paying that close to the, the credits as they rolled by at the end, but it jumped out at me. Uh, the, uh, assistant, uh, assistant director or intern production assistant, is what he was credited at, uh, uh, was a guy named Tim Minier, who uh, has gone on to do a ton of TV, uh, including a bunch of Whedon stuff, uh, American uh, Horror Story he's producing at this point. Um, oh. He worked on you know Dollhouse, he worked on uh, Angel and Firefly. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has had a, a serious uh, subsequent career uh, and yes, apparently that was the first thing he ever did was he was the like intern production assistant, like, you know, second assistant director or whatever, uh, yeah. on this, uh, this little love crafty film. So I just thought that was a, a an odd find. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's a, I mean, it's, it's an auspicious start to a career as I've ever seen one. And, um, uh, <laughs> and the next year, apparently, he was an uncredited assistant director on Platoon. So you know, oh, did he? Is that I? I can't. I, I'm wondering if it's like you know, if he said it's like you know, it's a, it's a, it's a much more you know bigger Hollywoodier picture. So is is like not taking the credit still a step up? Yeah, I don't know. Who know? But yeah, X Files. Oh, hey, he did a it, bunch it, of stuff on X Files. It turns out that the uh, the brains in the severed head during uh, what's his name's uh, Hill's procedure are made of uh, meat byproducts. Oh yeah. And you know what I thought it was? I thought it was tuna steak, but this makes more sense because tuna steak is fucking expensive. <laughs> um, I was assuming it's going to be some sort of like you know Jello, like someone makes a nice a nice Jello or something. But uh, I guess that sort of shears in a way that might be a problem. Yeah. Now I want a tuna steak. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you you can't. They're so expensive. It's like eight, nine bucks a steak, and then you have to cook it. I mean, you don't have to because it's tuna, but you know. I, so uh, if you have any good tuna steak <laughs> recipe, I don't know if I've ever had a tuna steak. 
I mean, they're I know, good. I know uh, they exist. I just don't know that I've ever had one. Well, I mean, go to your whatever you get your fish. Get a get a tuna steak. Just cover both sides in pepper, uh, just like a lot of pepper, um, like black pepper, and then uh, turn up a pan as high as it goes. You know, just get it real hot. Throw it on one side for you know maybe like about thirty seconds, just so that it sears. Throw it on the other side. You know, you want the inside to still just be almost raw tuna, and the outside to be blackened, and then sure, just yeah. eat it. It's it's real quick, real simple, and really tasty. We might have to do that sometime. That uh, sounds like it's worth a shot. This has been We Have Such Foods to Show You. Uh, we're <laughs> we, should, we should just incorporate a recipe in every... We have such meals to yes. feed you. Um, we should incorporate <laughs> But then it has to be like a related recipe. So. <laughs> well, it, uh, I, guess it, I guess... For half of the devil, we could have done a pizza. Oh, yeah. I guess, I guess not tuna steak is what they made the brains of is kind of pushing it for a related recipe, huh? That's a, yeah. little, bit of a little bit of a reach. Uh... <laughs> Well, all right. Uh, I, do you have anything else for this one? Uh, uh, let me let me see real quick. I, I don't I don't think so. This was yeah. This, I, I this, had fewer notes than I would have expected. Uh, me too. For a typical me film, too. but I think it's just like so much of the film is the character of the film. So much of it yes. is like the feel of it, and and Jeffrey Combs as Herbert West. You know, there 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 aren't as many specific filmic things to talk about. There weren't as many details that jumped out at me as in terms of movie making or or cinematography than than we might otherwise have had to talk about. Yeah, uh, the only like cinematographical flourishes I saw was that like you know uh, dead on soft focus thing, and then one thing that was a little. You know, it, it was every time that they showed the hallway to the morgue, it was always like a regular, you know, it was like a, a right angled shot. You know, everything is, you know, it was the way it was composed was the way it was composed symmetrically. But then all the way at the end, the very last shot of that hallway that you see is a security guard running, uh, running away from the headless uh, body of Dr. Hill. And in that shot, it's a really canted angle, like almost like 45 degrees. Yeah, they go Dutch angle all of a sudden. Um, and now I'm out of things. All right. Well, that's, I th- that was enough things. Uh, we've got a good, yeah. uh, hour and a half plus out of that. Uh, and, uh, I don't, we, as usual, we don't, I don't think know exactly what we're doing, uh, next fortnight, but, uh, not bride of reanimator. Not bri- No, no. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think jumping franchises is, is a smart way to go. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. we can even, if it's something we don't really want to follow up, follow up on, you know, like if we don't really want to dedicate an episode to sequels to something, but one of us gets a bug up our butt to, to, to watch it, then we could always throw in a quick, you know, capsule review, you know, like five minutes on what I got out of watching, you know, uh, number two and number three of something or, you know, phantasm. Do, just two hours compressed down to do not watch prophecies. <laughs> five. Seriously. If I could, no. if I could go back in time, I'd save everybody, everybody, the, uh, the experience there. But, uh, but yeah, we'll figure out what we're going to watch next. Uh, and we'll post it on the, the Facebook and the Tumblr as we have, uh, lately been doing, and if you have any suggestions for not even just like movies, you know, that, that time that somebody uh, suggested that we do like a scary, scary movie and we did, you know, two of them or possibly even three or just two, I think. And that was, you know, th- this is actually I wanted to like kind of have this one as the as, as the palate cleanser to those because yeah. I don't want, you know, I don't want to do too many of like the same, not even genre, but like the same mood. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. Mix it up. So if you have any ideas for for like a particular kind of horror movie, not even like genre but just you know like 
uh, comedy horror, like straight up comedy horror or, you know, like uh, gross out or, or, or something. So, you know, make a suggestion and, uh, you know, you can suggest the, the theme, you can suggest the movie. Um, and that would be, you know, well, uh, you know, we, we take all of the suggestions that everybody makes into account. Um, so even though you might not, you know, see it come up for a while or ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of hard because, yeah, if we're going like once every yeah. two weeks, it, it's, it's hard to, to get through. Uh, suggestions in a timely fashion, but you know, some there's a lot of gear left. We got uh, the, I guess this is, this is our first of 2014. We should like high five over the internet about that. Uh, good job. Um, let's <laughs> just both smack our mics. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, let us know. Kibitz on the uh, on the on the Facebook page, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk it out. And uh, and and rate and review us on iTunes as as usual. That's that's the handy thing to do. If you haven't done it already, just go and take the five minutes. It's it helps out with our our visibility. Uh, lets iTunes know that people are actually listening to this thing at all. And, and and if you're in like the car with your friend and they're playing some like you know really shitty music, just and they're driving, you know, just grab the uh, grab their you know like little auxiliary thing that plugs in their 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 phone and plug yours in and put the podcast on. They can't do anything because they're driving, and you know you'll both die if they try to stop you. Exactly. So it's it's a good. Or if you're attending a, a funeral or a wake or something, you know, just in in nobody really wants to hear that depressing stuff about you know dead people just a little podcast lighten the mood lighten the mood bring it up um if you're djing a wedding similarly what 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 better way to say you know let's commence this lifelong commitment than uh uh you know horror movie podcast yeah i mean you know they 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 have readings at at weddings if you know but it's you know who wants to listen to poetry or the the same you know like kind of stuff you hear at every wedding put on a podcast seriously it's like blah 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 two hours yeah it's you know weddings are interminable anyway yeah especially if it's a catholic wedding just like you know make it happen um so those are some really good suggestions for you guys you should definitely do those things that we just suggested and uh Yeah, we'll get our shit together on the next movie, and uh, we'll be back in a fortnight. Uh, and I think that's that. Yes. All right. So and if you get a job at a sideshow, let us know. Oh yeah, please do. Uh, you know, we'll we'll put you in touch with a, a head who could use a reference letter. Uh, it's trying to get a head. <laughs> oh, oh man, seriously though, but the head giving head thing. Uh, uh, yep. Okay. Talk to you later. <laughs> Good night, everybody. 